who are the top shot creators and shot makers in college basketball? Yesterday, Richard and I covered the top shooters. And today, my guy Leaf is going to break down who are the best shot makers and shot creators in the 2023 NBA draft. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And today, our title sponsor is Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co host, Leaf Tuline, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone in America. Leaf, what's, what's 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 going on, man? First of all, are you surprised at the Utah Jazz and their start to this season? Yes, yes, I am. I didn't expect to be three and one and and beat three playoff teams and and lose to the one non-playoff team. Especially, I I I did expect the Jazz to try hard and be competitive. I kind of thought we'd tail off in the fourth quarters, be, both because, you know, there's the imp, uh, there's the impetus to want to not finish well, especially the narrative of it, but also just because there's inexperienced players playing new roles and as closers on teams. And I thought against good teams that that type of stuff typically doesn't go well. And you don't record W's when you play good teams inexperienced, but the Jazz have been able to do so uh, winning two overtime games and and really kind of running the nuggets out of the gym on opening night and the energy in that building being there was, was phenomenal. Yeah. I got to give you your props. When you mentioned that Ocha Agbaji could be out the rotation. I thought, oh man, he's crazy. There's no way Agbaji, a lottery pick is going to be out the rotation. And so far, has he even played 10 minutes? No. Fontecchio played 13 yesterday and uh, sorry, he played 15 yesterday and scored 13 points. And that was, he played ahead, played a minute and four seconds in the three prior games. And Ogbaji hasn't played it really at all. And Fontecchio, as I just mentioned, had, had only played one minute and he's ahead of Ogbaji in the rookie kind of the, the role of a shooter as a rookie. And he's a 26 year old for it from Italy. For those of you who do, don't know who really shined at Eurobasket. Yeah. It's gotta be such a, crazy situation for Agbachi because he was considered like the plug and play guy and someone that we thought was going to get rotation minutes on a good team in Cleveland and now he finds himself out of the rotation on I mean the Jazz are three and one but on a team that a lot of people are expected to be in the Wimbayama sweepstakes all right let's, let's just get right into the top shot makers or shot creators in this draft I know I I love shot makers. I love guys that you can say, go ahead and go go get me a bucket. And that was one of the reasons why I was so high on Ben Carroll last year, as opposed to some of the other guys. And this year, it, the draft is a little bit different. I mean, I think it's a loaded class, and I think it has more shot makers and shot creators than shooters. And I think it's actually debatable over who is the top shot maker in, in this draft. So I wanted to hear your opinion. Who do you have number one on your list? So I tried to think outside of the box a little bit, but then I, I kept drawing back to this to be a shot maker. You need to be able to create a shot. And the person who creates the shot, the best is Scoot Henderson, in my opinion, 
I think he gets to his spots at will. We've talked about how he takes these angles with, with power and precision, like Derek Rose, when he came out of Memphis, he hits his jump shot. He gets the rim at will. And I would say he's my, he's the best at creating his shot. And I think I buy his shot more than some. So I would say he's my top shot maker slash shot creator. Yeah, and it's weird that there's people who aren't buying the shot. And I've mentioned it on previous podcasts. Yes, I know he shot like 21% from three, but he was adjusting from the high school line to the NBA line. That's a huge, huge jump. I mean, most guys go from high school to college, which is, you know, a jump in itself, but he skipped a step. And if you look at his mid-range shooting numbers, he was one of the best in the G League as far as shooting off the dribble. And what was considered like the high school three-point line is like a mid-range jumper on the NBA court. And so I believe that this year he's going to definitely improve his shooting numbers. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him shoot around 34 to 36% from three. Anything above that would be crazy. I don't think that would be enough to move him to the top spot. Which I is think kinda... he takes too many difficult ones to be above that. Yeah, well, three-pointers? Do you think he takes a lot of difficult three-pointers? I wouldn't say necessarily like the contest will be ridiculous, but I think he'll take some off a pick and roll and people go under because the scouting reports to keep his blazing speed in front and he's going to take them off the dribble and there'll be late contests. And, and I think he'll be the late shot clock guy on the G league Ignite, which I think hurt Jaden Hardy stats. And I think it'll be even more of a burden on a guy like Scoot Henderson, who, who's so clearly the alpha on this team. Whereas there was a lot of guys with talent on last year's team that uh, were kind of vying for who's the man. So I think he'll, it'll be hard for him to shoot above. So I'm with you. I don't know if it'll be like bad shots per se. I just think there's going to be such a, a spotlight on him as a player that it'll be hard for him to shoot a higher percentage because of that spotlight. What's crazy is he could shoot 40% from three. I don't even know if it'll be enough to bump him into the top spot. I don't think it will. <laughs> Which is crazy. All right, who is number two on your list? And I mean, number one was, you know, a guy that a lot of people think is the second best player in this draft. And then... Number three, whether you're talking about the third best prospect in this draft or even third best shot maker, I think if you ask 10 different people this question, you may get seven or eight different answers. So I'm curious to see who you have at number three. I've gone back and forth on this one, um, and I don't think he's my number three prospect, but I'm going to go with Brandon Miller. Uh, I, I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really high on him, and I've been re reading between the lines of some, tweet, uh, some tweets, and I've watched film on him. Uh, he, he scored 33 points against a really good TCU team in a close scrimmage. And they've got some good athletes defending him. And, and I really just buy his kind of package of height, speed, agility, shooting kind of reminds me a little bit of a, a young Paul George. And I was, t I was texting with a guy that that's, works for an NBA team the other day. And I actually played some basketball with him um, this evening. And, and, and we talked a little bit about Brandon Miller and I told him I was doing this podcast. He's like, he better be top three in there. And I, and we, we kind of broke, broke down his nuances of his game. And the more I thought about it, I had to elevate him one spot. I had him at three and I put him at two now. And I'll, I think we're going to agree on our, my number three, but Brandon Miller is a, he's a lanky slender four that I think could use a little bit of weight, but his, but I think in the, in the same way that when Durant came out and he was so thin and his shot making was such a thing, you almost rely on that finesse and you learn a skill by being underweight. And if he's able to put some more weight on, he makes, he becomes an even better shot maker because he can do different things. But I, I'm just really high on him. And I, I he's kind of cracked into my top seven. And I think a lot of people prior to a few weeks ago, didn't have him in their lottery. 
Yeah, man, he's a shot maker. I know when I looked at my notes, I had him as a, a tough shot maker and tough shot taker. And if I did have a knock on his game, it was one, he's a little bit older for his class, which I don't think that's going to really matter too much. But I thought that he settles for a lot of contested jumpers. And he's someone that I, I label as more so of a scorer than a shooter. Mm -hmm. But he can shoot. It's just not consistent. But I would like to see him attack the paint more because I think that he has the physical tools to where he should be able to get to the foul line at least four or five times per game this season. And that's one of the you know, things I'm going to be looking for this season. Like I, I probably may have like 20 different players where they have a specific thing that I'm going to focus on and, and, and see if they actually, and it's just like my opinion, what I think they should do. But for him, it is, I definitely want to see him get to the lane more, even though like he can elevate over the top of guys. I think sometimes he bails the defense out by shooting the contested jumper. If he was a little bit more, aggressive at attacking the rim I think he has a shot to go top five yeah I I'm with you I think that his biggest weakness that that I can see is because he's so talented I think he can he thinks he can get away with taking shots that maybe he shouldn't shoot and uh I've had that knock on a few players before and one of those guys was Jason Tatum and I had him number one that year um so I I I've uh I would, I, that's nitpicking stuff, but if you have that type of talent that I'm nitpicking the shots you shoot are ones that like you can make, but you shouldn't be taking it by if based on everyone else's skill, that tends to mean you're a very good draft pick. Um, and, and it's, I, I honestly thought that a little bit about Ben Caro in stretches last yeah. year and, and we, and you and I were on the same page, had him number one. So uh track record there is, is pretty good. Yeah. And I was kind of the the knock on Ben Carroll in a sense like my my brother is not a big Ben Carroll fan and he's like he shoots too many jumpers and his comparison was Julius Randle I'm like I think he'd be more Jason Tatum before Julius Randle and it's not a knock on on Randle I just think that Ben Carroll had more creativity than, than Randle you know Randle's going hard left and he'll shoot some threes occasionally but yeah so but yeah it, it's I think it's just one of those things sometimes when you're such a gifted scorer and you're more talented than everybody else you do have a tendency to try different things but I think you just have to take the good with the bad when you have such a a talented shot maker I'm with you for sure uh I I would I would say there's a couple other players that had a consideration for number two but none of them quite had the package i think that if he hits a ceiling that he can reach yes i i agree especially with his height and the length and athleticism i've seen paul george comparisons and i've also seen t-mac and oh i like that yeah he, that's that's pretty good company all right when we return we'll find out who is number three on your board but i want to talk to the audience about LinkedIn, because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to. 
but faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to each and every person that's made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports today. For the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, it is available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow with my co-host Leaf Tulin. And we are covering the top shot makers and bucket getters or top scorers in the 2023 draft, which is loaded by all accounts. You know, that, that's the consensus of, based off today. It could change because you never know. I mean, it's usually we may see a class go from underrated to appreciated. I think this class, the expectations are so high that um, it actually could work in the opposite in a sense. So. All right, who is number three on your list of top shot makers or shot creators in this draft class? I think in the in the truest sense of a, a shot creator, a shot maker, you usually think of like a microwave score. And I think this guy's about as close to a microwave score that you can project in this class, and that's Keontae George. I think Keontae George can shoot the lights out. I watched him at um, when he played against Italy and Canada. He scored 37 and 32, and it was like he was playing for Team USA. But for those of you who are listening, I did some air quotes. It was Baylor without three-fourths of their backcourt, and he was an 18-year-old playing against the U23s for Italy and Canada, and he was the best player on the court in all of the games. He scores the ball in a plethora of ways. He knocks down threes. He can do it off the dribble, gets to the paint, hits floaters. He's stronger than he than you kind of may anticipate based off his measurables. And to me, I, I tossed this comparison out when Sam and I were on a podcast this summer. It reminds me a little bit of Jamal Murray, and, and mm-hmm. I can't quite, quite shake that. Initially, I was thinking like Bones Highland kind of, but he's a bit, bit bigger, and then it just hit me. Jamal Murray kind of has that slithery game where he's got sneaky athleticism, and then he can just shoot the lights out of the ball. So I think he's just one of the biggest bucket getters in this class. That's an interesting comparison. I haven't heard that one. I have not heard that one at all. I've heard Bradley Bill. As I, far I can as see that too. How Bill had a role at Florida where he was considered like a spot up shooter. And then once he got to the NBA, he was able to showcase he can do a little bit more than shoot. And it was crazy because I remember Bill was compared to Ray Allen. But I think it was more so because they just both have like this picture of perfect form in a sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the Jamal Murray comparison. And I think that is is a good comparison. And Murray's a guy, I just think that he's in the perfect situation because he doesn't have to be the team's primary distributor. He can just focus on what he does best. I mean, when you play with Jokic, it kind of helps him out a lot. Uh, I, I do wonder sometimes what Murray would look like if he were you know, a team's primary ball handler and he had to to do the distributing and, and scoring. I wonder like how, how would that fit? And it's not a knock on, on saying, I don't think he'd be as good, but I, I think there is some major benefits to playing with, to playing with Jokic where he doesn't have to, again, like, um, you know, be, be the point guard, but I like the Jamal Murray, the Jamal Murray comparison. It, it, it makes it makes a ton of sense. Now, do you have any concerns about his role this year with Baylor returning two really good guards? Do you think it's going to be like a log jam there or, or too many overlapping skill sets? 
I, I do not think he's going to score 20 a game, even though he's got the capacity to do that for different teams. But, I, but we came on last time. I said Baylor was my best team in the country. And, and I think he's a large part of it is I think that when you got three quality guards that can all play off of each other, I think Adam Flagler is the, the, the spot-up shooter. That's, that's going to be the guy who's going to be the spot-up shooter. I think Keontae George will be the lead scorer on that team. And I think LJ Cryer will be the point guard. And I think that, They'll work pretty well, and it'll be a conducive relationship, a symbiotic relationship, if you will, in the sense that all of them will thrive off of each other's various skills, and some of them overlap. But I think they're all different enough that they'll be able to kind of find who's the score. And I think the best score of the bunch is Keontae George, and, and I don't think Scott Drew's going to have any trouble trusting the freshman to do so after seeing him when without those two, plus Langston Love not playing in the, in the, uh, in the games where they played Canada and Italy – I think you, you, there's a trust from the, especially the front court's going to trust a freshman. I think that's sometimes harder to trust than the backcourt trusting one of their mates because now they've set screens for him. They know to look for him to score the ball. And I think when the going gets tough, Keontae George is going to have a few freshman growing pains, but I bet he scores around 16 points a game in a loaded Big 12 and on what I think should be the best team in the country. I think they average 15, 14, and 13. They're, yeah. they're three guards. I think it's going to be very consistent you may have your 25 point games then you may score eight the next just because i I think it's going to be a situation where whoever has the hot hand that particular night is going to to get the shots i mean i I know that's pretty much a basic in a sense but i just think they have you know these three scoring options that can all score 25 at any given night but there are going to be nights where someone's going to have to take a back seat right the next prospect i want to ask you about Terquavion Smith. You know, I was high on Terquavion last year. I think he's kind of falling under the radar now. I I do think he is the best returning prospect. And it just seems like people have forgot about him. Like we're we're talking about a guy that I think was going to be a mid first round pick. If he would have stayed in the 2022 draft with the year of experience and he should be stronger it's just odd to me that he's not on a lot of boards as a lottery pick. I think some people still see him as a mid first round pick. So wanted to get your thoughts on, on Terquavia. He's kind of in a difficult situation where there's so much pressure put on him to be the man at NC state. I don't think he receives a lot of help. Um, their backcourt is, is very reliant on him. And, and I think that in terms of pure bucket getting, we know he can shoot the lights out. Like he may have been the best shooter at the combine in those scrimmages. And he really elevated his stock there. And, and you were pumping, pumping his horn uh, long before then. It really, I rewatched some NC state games after reading your, some, some of your tweets. And I was like, okay, I see what he's saying here. Like, and I knew he could score the ball. The question for me is going to be efficiency. And I think he's going to get unfairly graded for a lack of efficiency in the same sense that Bryce McGowan's had. They're different. Uh, and this is just like an offhand example. I'm not comparing the mm-hmm. two as as stylistically, but McGowan's had very little help and he was knocked for efficiency. But the thing that I stood out about McGowan's is he got to the places he wanted at a, as a very slender player and he got to the free throw line. I think Turquavion's going to have those nuanced skills where he's going to shoot the lights out if you if you just like were shooting against thin air, but because of the shot selection that he's going to be forced to take at NC State, people will hold a, a kind of a candle to it and say, there's a, this is tougher for you to be viewed in this light because you're not playing on a particularly good team and you're not playing um, as efficiently or 
it'll be hard for him to be as efficient. If he's really efficient in that setting, oh my gosh, he, he's going to skyrocket up boards. But I think that's the rationale for why people have him are lower. And I'll admit, I didn't have him in my top five here. He was just outside of it. He was number six. But one, once you said that, I was like, okay, I can see what you're saying because he's a microwave. He, he's like Jamal Crawford in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think guys like Jordan Poole helps Turquavion's case. Jordan Poole was a late first round pick and some of the same knocks other than like the fact that Turquavion was like a buck 60, but some of the same knocks you heard about Jordan Poole, as far as like shot selection, maybe a little selfish. Some people may think, even though I think Turquavion can't pass the ball, but Jordan Poole is a $140 million player. And what team wouldn't want a microwave scorer like Jordan Poole? And so I think Poole may have helped Smith smith's case which is another reason why i think he decided to bet on himself and go back to school because he believes that he could improve his draft stock by coming back to school all right when we return we we definitely have more players to discuss but bet online bet online is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season find all of the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth analysis on every game and as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sport wagering information from live betting to up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with my co-host, Leaf Tulene. We are covering the top shot makers, bucket getters, top scorers in the 2023 NBA draft class. All right. So I guess I kind of threw your your order off a little bit. I still can't believe you didn't have Traquavion in your top five. So I want to know who is number four on your list. I'll, I'll, I had him at 5A and 5B. I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, I, I've got an unconventional one in the sense that he creates scoring, not necessarily as well for himself, but Amen Thompson. I, I have a hard time overlooking the fact that he gets to where he wants on the floor at will. And so in a sense, like Jaw, I wouldn't say like Jaw might be leading the NBA in, in, in scoring as we're recording this. But I wouldn't say, oh, man, he's like the biggest like shot maker, shot taker. Um, and but but the way I way I break it down is that they create shots. And uh, I think Amen Thompson is the perfect blend of athleticism and ability to get where he wants. So he'll be able to score at one, especially once the court open up, op- opens up and their spacing is phenomenal. He'll get wide open shots for our teammates. And I think as his shot gets better and I saw some frame by frame. Uh, pictures and I do notice subtle differences but who knows if that's like you know projectable as the level gets better and better but I think the fact that he can get wherever he wants he's a phenomenal passer means that he'll he'll get buckets for people so I understand it's not the stereotypical definition of bucket getter Mm -hmm. but I think I have to include him in just because of the way he creates offense at an elite level yeah did you see the pro day I, I saw some of the highlights I was actually supposed to be there, but I ended up staying here because my wife had a doctor's appointment. But if I'm not mistaken, I saw he, and I'm saying only like it's average, but I saw he only had like a 40 inch vert. If you would have told me he had a 47, I would have believed you. But it's weird because, you know, these athletic tests, sometimes I just feel like they aren't the best indicators of athleticism. And I mean, one of the best examples is like Cody Zeller had like a a higher 
Bert, was it Cody Zeller? One of the Zeller guys. Udoka has a Buki, who's, who's really my least favorite pick ever at a 37-inch <laughs> Vert. Right. It, yeah, so it's like you got those numbers. Then you had, I think it was Zeller, or was it Plumley? No, maybe it was Zeller. He had like a, I think he, his athletic testing, he had a higher vertical than Blake Griffin. Now we know that there's a totally, totally different level or totally different tier of athleticism there. But I was just shocked that he only had a 40 inch vert. I mean, he literally makes it look like he's playing on a nine and a half foot rim. Like some of the plays that him and his brother make, their athletic tools are just incredible and like i said i'm just shocked that he only had a 40 inch vert but i I love how you you, you're thinking outside the box in a sense because a lot of times when you think of shot makers or shot creators you think of honestly guys that take bad shots (laughs) and and make tough shots you know your guys that at the end of the shot clock they can just i mean you can just give them the ball say clear out and then go get you a bucket and on one hand I, i do see thompson as that type of guy but it's rare that you see someone that is considered a, a shot maker or shot creator with such a major liability and as far as like the jumper, but he does create shots not only for himself and for others, and he can get to his spots. Do you think that there is a huge difference between him and his twin brother, Asur? I have a hard time saying that there's a huge difference the reason i lean towards amen at this point is his passing but we discussed this briefly last time that if they switched roles how different would their passing levels be and my answer to that is i don't know but because he's in the role as the creator i lean i lean towards um amen's productivity in that role and i trust the eyes of the coaches that are putting them in those positions um so while while I don't have a definitive yes, I think he's better in that sense. I, I, I'm just going to trust the the coaching staff putting him are putting them in those different positions be, for a reason, and and it's the right reason. But that said, if I'm drafting Osar, I, I will I will say maybe maybe we're getting a steal here, who's who's valued as a less co- uh, coveted prospect because of not being in those positions. So I I think that you can spin it both ways. Yep. Yep. All right. Number five. Who is number five on your list? I have no idea. Usually I try to like think ahead, but I cannot even guess who you have in number five or, yeah, or your, I, or your five a since, yeah. <laughs> or maybe so, it's five B. I mean, there could be like five E's in this one, but, uh, <laughs> but so, so I, I, there's a couple guys that are in the same vein that I considered. Um, like, like I thought Derek Whitehead, you could consider mm-hmm. in the same vein as uh, Osar Thompson as a creator. But I, but I'm going to go with more of the stereotypical definition here. Um, and I, I, the reason I had five A, and I had Mark Sasser as someone who can really create a shot for himself. And he's not as high on a, my board per se. But if you're going by the definition of getting buckets, that that guy is maybe the most proven score returning back to school and at whatever level they're playing basketball. Obviously, Scoot in the G League is a little different when you're when you're 17 at the beginning of that. So he's not as proven, but I think he's the best one. Uh, Turquavion, and the reason I had him 5A and 5B and I had Sasser just a nudge ahead is just he's he's done it at a at a higher level more consistently. Um, I think he'll be on on a better team, and I think he'll be a twenty a game scorer this year for the Houston Cougars. And uh, I don't think he's going to be viewed fairly because he's older. But I, but I can't I can't 
look away from the productivity and the versatility in which he did it. And he played in the G league ignite, uh, sorry, not the G league ignite, the G league scrimmage. And he worked his way into the combine. He shot the lights out in both of them. Yeah. It's the second day in a row. I had him as one of the top shooters in, in yesterday's podcast. He shot a little under 44% from three and it was on some very difficult shots. I mean, he was taking shots off the dribble and it's, um, it, it, it's a good sign if you're on a list as one of the top snipers in the class and as one of the top shot makers. What are your thoughts on this? I think he has a little bit of Ben Gordon in this game. Do you have a comparison for him? I haven't thought of one. Um, I like the Ben Gordon one. I wonder if that his role in the NBA is going to be strictly more off ball like Ben Gordon's was like Ben Gordon to me is a, a straight two guard. I wonder if Sasser is more of a combo where he has more ball mate, uh, ball handling responsibilities, but I like, I like the way you're thinking about it. I think he'll run off pin downs. He'll get into one dribble pull-ups and in a similar set fashion that Ben Gordon did. Um, I wish I were a little bit older and I could have seen Ben Gordon at UConn to compare. Cause that was a really good team with Emeka Okafor. And I think Sasser could be on a similar type of talented team where he can, really thrive on a, on a championship caliber team and you get a really good sense of, okay, can he do this at the highest levels? And so I'm, I'm very eager to see that. And college basketball is just around the corner. So, you know, you know me, I, I watch just about as much as anybody. And so I'm, I'm itching to watch. And there's a couple guys that I think could be on this list, but I have a hard time putting them there because I haven't seen them play college basketball yet that are more highly regarded in terms of prospect rankings um, than a guy like Mark Sasser or even Terquavion Smith. Yeah, and we, we got to talk about Nick Smith. Nick Smith is someone that, that, that was people... that was the the C. <laughs> that was the C. Yeah, I mean Nick Smith is a guy that some people think is a a, a possible possible third player. I right, want to think. Nick Smith is a guy that some people think has a strong possibility of being the third pick in this draft, and it, it's like he's known for his scoring and being a shot maker, but he is. C on your list is there a reason why you had other guys ahead of him I guess I just I like to see it at the same levels um for instance Miller I haven't seen it at the same level but I just I love his size um and that like the, the way he takes tough shots I hold it as a knock sometimes as shot selection so that's like the best knock you can have I think Nick Smith's got that blend of speed and and shot making that i i think could be worthy of a number three pick like if you told me oh you like i got a number three i'd be like okay makes sense but at the same time you get into the nuance to what you've seen and who like and how they score that's why i had a guy like uh, uh marcus sasser higher just because i've seen him shoot 44 percent from three on a team that's really good and i saw him the year before on a team that was really good do it um and and i think that he could easily have the the best case to move up this list if he starts off well and again with Arkansas playing a tough schedule and him likely being the alpha. I've heard really good things about him coming out as the leader of that really kind of youthful and, and new team. I just I just want to see it before at the same level. But I think he's he's one of the guys I'm most eager to see in, in the entire country because one, he could be the number three pick, and that, that's obviously awesome. Two, Arkansas could contend very seriously to make a deep run. And if he's the catalyst for doing so, um, I, I really value that as someone who watches a lot of college basketball. I value the way a, a lead guard can impact winning. Yeah, I talked to uh, Richard Stamen yesterday, and I mentioned to him that I spoke with somebody who said that they don't even have Nick Smith as a top 10 pick. They think that he is 
a little overrated. They had some concerns about his shot selection, getting to the rim, and just his overall athleticism, how it how it translates. So um, it that that's something that I, I'll definitely be paying close attention to because, I mean, again, it happens every year. Every year we have guys that we think are going to be in the top 10, and then when we do our mock drafts or our big boards in April, it always looks totally different. I mean, last year was like probably the best example to where, you know, the I, I think I did like a preview of my top 10 players that I was looking to watch or playing close attention to for the 21-22 season. And I don't think any of them outside of Ben Carroll, Ivy, and Holmgren <laughs> were lottery picks. So, um things can change. All right. Well, man, thank you so much for, for your time. It is 1.21 AM here in central standard time. So it is after midnight where you're at. And I mean, we're, we're working for you here on the locked on network, but thank you so much for making the locked on NBA big board podcast, your first listen of the day. Cause we are dedicated as you can tell by the time, but for your second listen, check out the locked on sports today podcast, because the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, and my co-host for the day, Leaf Tulane, the man, again, he watches more college basketball than anyone else. If you ever have any questions about college basketball, you got to go to Leaf. He gave us his top shot makers, top shot creators. He will definitely be on in a future episode to give us maybe a breakdown on his top playmakers. Maybe it's his top big man, his top rim runners, top defensive players. Leaf is just full of knowledge when it comes to college basketball. But once again, thank you for tuning in, and we are out. <laughs>